Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition, and it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit juvederm.com. That's J U V E D E R M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Weirdly enough, my, I mean, a lot of like devices do this, but the bottom left of my browser is telling me that there's been a, a wind warning just issued, <laughs> right. which is like and a weather report. But I saw that and thought, oh, goodness, how do they know that? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. It's sandy. It's amazing what they can do with these things, isn't it, really? They think of everything, don't they? They think of everything. And yeah. we're, we're fully informed throughout, which yes. is good. Um, but, yeah, how have you been, Brian? You okay? I've been very well. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very well actually. Can't can't complain. Um, yeah. And yeah, we, I mean, we say this on most of the episodes, but we are moving now, definitely dangerously towards uh, Christmas uh, periods because yeah. on my uh, Netflix waiting screen there was the Grinch. The Grinch came up, uh, oh, so, right, oh. okay. but it was yeah. the animated one uh, that Benedict Cumberbatch oh, okay. did. The okay, voice. Right. I, yeah. I don't think you can top the. The Jim Carrey one, to be honest, I think that's... probably is. You know, they they tend to set a, a certain standard, don't they? A certain films, and they set the standard that everyone else has to follow and, and match, particularly with a Christmas movie as well. You know, so yeah, I, I guess it probably is really the one with Jim Carrey. It's the one you always think of, and it's the the American equivalent to Scrooge, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's very big over there than here, but I think yeah. we've sort of adopted it slightly. But but before that is obviously uh, Halloween. So 
Uh, do you uh, do you get in the mood for Halloween, Brian? Do you watch any scary uh, films? Well, not really. You know, you know, I, I tend not to be affected by scary horror type movies. I do my best to be scared by them, but I, I'm not. It's not because I'm particularly brave, right? It's not that. It's just that I don't think my imagination uh, rises to the occasion necessarily, and I just sort of sit there watching. And think, yeah, well, that's okay. So I tend not to get that engrossed in it. I enjoy them, but I, I, they don't scare me. What about yeah. you? Yeah, I'm the same. Um, I think having looked at a lot of films over the years that you can't see films the same way and you're often no. watching them kind of going, oh, okay, that's how they've done that and, and that's how yeah. they've done that. So you are constantly like picking them apart that that isn't the best environment to be watching a scary movie in. And then no. also <clears throat> I think there's different types of horror films generally, but yeah. The things that that don't really appeal is like the really sort of like shocky ones, where it's like you know human centipede, all that sort of stuff. Like I'm not really into that sort of thing no, anyway. No. That I I find that more just not boring, but it doesn't get me. And then uh, to be honest, I get more out of like a thriller, even not necessarily. I'm yeah. not scared by it, but I am maybe at least invested in how it's going to turn a out. Chiller, a chiller, as yeah. opposed to horror. Yeah, yeah. chiller. That's a good yeah. good phrase. Yeah, a chiller. Yeah where you are so something like seven like david fincher's oh, seven which is a great film actually yeah. that should be on our list really mm. but it's um something like seven works really well because it is actually quite like scary and, and horrific at times but you wouldn't think of it as a as an out and out horror it's more of a thriller or yeah. a chiller um mm. but i do need something i need more substance to it I, it has to be have like a good plot and it has to sort of work of course, as a story. Yeah. well i mean look you compare it to say hammer horror for example now mm. that's that's you know revered by by horror fans isn't it but to me it was almost like caricatures and it kind of misses the point really what i would call a really great horror movie is something like the wicker man the original the original yeah not the nick cage not, one. not, not the nick cage one <laughs> but the original with edward woodward that was stunning and that was genuinely scary you know you could sit there even though i've i've seen it maybe i don't know six or seven times but i still my flesh creeps a little bit i get goose pimples because because of the way it's made that is a true shocker that is a true horror movie but there are very few of those in my opinion there are very few of those that hit the marks that don't try too hard that don't branch out go over into caricature but they get it just right and it's easy to overdo it i do think it's a genre though that it does appeal because it can be done effectively even with a small budget so like something like Blair Witch uh yeah. a lot of these like found footage sort of films that are coming yeah. out that it, it it lends itself to that because actually sometimes like the more low budget it looks the more effective it is whereas yeah. you know if you're trying to tell like a good action film you, you can't really do that without some budget well, um, yeah. or at least very good uh CGI that yeah I think sometimes that helps is if you've got something that is aesthetically on point because it doesn't not saying that, that it needs lots of money it just needs to have the right tone and the right vibe and yeah i, I often there's so many horror films that get made and um, yeah i think yeah. at times you can be too slick i think yeah. when you when you've got a big budget it becomes too smooth too slick and it again misses the point i think it's very easy to overdo it and if you've got a big budget it's tempting isn't it to... Yeah, if you don't need to be as creative as you would yeah. have been, I think that does affect a lot of filmmakers where they sort of, oh, okay, yeah, we've got money for that now. That whereas actually before they would have had to have done some kind of practical effect yeah. that yeah. would have 
taken them ages but cost like less money yeah at least they would have pulled it off and looked really good 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 horror is about getting inside your head and you don't need to spend a fortune to do that it's about use getting the uh the um the viewer to use their imagination well you've you've Give me a nice little segue there because oh. we're going to try and get in the listener's head right, right now yeah. and they don't need to pay a thing because no. this podcast is free wherever you're listening. If someone is charging for this, they shouldn't be and send well, them my be, way. <laughs> I was going to say, they should be paying us in that case, shouldn't they? Exactly. Um, because we have a big, 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 big show tonight. Mm. It is rather large because <laughs> we've been uh, sent quite a lot of indie films to review. Thank you to all the filmmakers who are sending their movies. We even have a little queue ready for next month, to be honest. Nice. Um, so what we've done, um, and it has kind of tied in nicely because Brian has very kindly watched some films at the cinema, but a few that you were planning on watching have now been the release dates, I think, were moved anyway. They're playing with us. Playing <laughs> yeah, with us. toying with you. It's almost like it's they like, knew, though. I know, I know. Yeah, like, oh, well, Brian's not going to watch it. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. so we're going to do three at the cinema. Um, uh, we'll do a streaming film as well. Uh, interesting film there. We've got five uh, indie films to review mm. on this show. Um, and then we will finish it up with a classic film that we are revisiting in our nostalgia pick. Mm. Uh, I won't say what it is. Stay tuned for that. Um, But first, let's get equalizing. Oh, I like it. I I like it. I I saw what you did there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is directed by Antoine Fuqua, starring Denzel Washington and Dakota Fanny. It's the third installment of the franchise that began in 2014. Washington plays retired intelligence agent Robert McCall. Our hero has a dark past, but forges a new existence, protecting the innocent against the mad, bad and dangerous. A train of events take McCall to a small town in southern Italy, where he decides to settle. But old habits die hard, and he reports evidence of a criminal network to CIA operative Emma Collins. The Camorra soon come calling and begin to intimidate the locals, but they hadn't reckoned with McCall and the unique skill sets he can bring to the party. This is typical of a franchise insofar all memory of the previous one disappears when you watch the current release, but gains more credibility because it has a strong leading man. Washington doesn't let the visuals do all the work and builds a strong character that smacks of the world-weary agent who can't leave his old life behind. Amidst the slick design of violence, it's a coherent story that has the feel of a modern Western, the tale of a stranger in town, protecting the weak from the strong. It's the template for many films in the genre, especially The Magnificent Seven. There are moments of genuine tension where McCall shows controlled aggression and a minimal use of dialogue to make his point. The bad guys have met their match and the audience are left in no doubt as to whose side they should be on. The Amalfi Coast of Italy provides a stunning backdrop and it's the perfect location for a holiday. But if you do go, make sure Robert McCall's close by. <laughs> but, but very enjoyable overall. Yeah, I've seen the first two, and I yeah. liked them. Um, I'm actually... This is a... Because talk, I've talked about Washington before, um, mm. and pairing with Antoine Fuqua, I think, is great because things like Training Day. Um, yeah, yeah. You mentioned you mentioned Magnificent Seven there actually. Um, is this up there with the first two installments? Does it work just as well? 
Yeah, I think it is. I don't think you even necessarily need to see the first two movies. They're all standalone movies. Mm. But as I say, what's often the case with a franchise is that you do tend to forget what's gone in the past and you remember the current one. But I think it easily, easily matches up with the first two. You know, it's very efficient, very well done. And it's, it gains because it's got Denzel Washington. You know, in the hands of a, a, a lesser actor, it wouldn't work as well because he, he makes the character work. And that's what makes all the difference. And there's something very cool and understated about McCall, the way he plays the character. You know, that again, coming back to the uh, the idea of a modern Western, it's almost a bit like Clint Eastwood, The Man With No Name, where he says very little. You know, he, he very rarely utters his own name, McCall, but you know exactly who he is and what he's there for, and you can't mess with him. And great fun to watch. And as I say, easily up with the first two, as good as the first two, the quality's not diminishing. So I'd be happy to see this franchise continue for a while longer. It's interesting um, seeing lots of reviews and a few people had said to me they, they like this film. Um, yeah. That there's always this comparison as well with like the John Wick series because I think obviously yeah. there is some similarities. Yeah, there. yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I, I like I like both. Uh, I haven't seen yeah. this film, but I like both sets of of movies, yeah. and I don't think there's like, you know, it's fine for them to to do that. Um, but it, it, there's that sort of sense of Washington's characters, that kind of like reluctant hero again, yeah. where it's sort of oh, being dragged into it and he kind of goes through it. It, it feels quite a, familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, he wants a quiet life, you know. And you could also, I mean, you could pull out other characters from the movies. I mean. Uh, Don Vito Corleone in Godfather Part 3, where he says, just as I was getting out, they pulled me back in. <laughs> but you, that's a common theme. And it, it's real. It kind of makes sense because somebody like McCall right, will get to a point in his life where he thinks, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I just want to live in peace. Hmm. But somebody who's lived that life, being the type of person they are, can never quite bury that side of their personality. And they, they're constantly drawn back in. So I think that is real. You know, that is real for somebody like McCall, for somebody who lives that life. They can't leave it behind. Yeah. That's... yeah. So it's a very good film, though. Really enjoyed it. Good. And it's yeah, perfect cinema fare, isn't it? You're yeah. You're going to watch a movie like this on the big screen. It's perfect. Yeah, so, definitely. It's, um... it's, it's well worth going to the cinema to see this one. Yeah. If you're yeah. listening currently, as in you're not listening to this in the future, if you are in the future, hi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if you're a current, uh, then yeah, the, this film is still at the cinema. So do go check yeah. it out. And um, no matter what Martin Scorsese says, it's okay to support franchises. You know, I know he's got a big thing yeah. with the. He, yeah, he, I know he yeah, thinks but... more about the superhero stuff, but I think he also has a bit of a problem with uh, with franchises. But it is well, because he's got a new film out, isn't it? Yeah, he likes exactly. To, he, he says it every time as he's got a new yeah. film out, and then he gets all of these headlines, and he just sits back and watches the cash I rolling. I know. I mean, I in the past, I've been occasionally critical of franchises, as you know, um, but I do find them enjoyable as long as they do, as long as they maintain the standard, and they're not simply redoing, rehashing what they what's gone before. That's the important thing with with any sequel, any franchise, that they're refreshing the character. They're refreshing the idea. They're coming up with something new. That's the important thing, you know. Well, it seems a good point to move from one franchise to another then with um, our next film, uh, another Kenneth Branagh Poirot movie, A Haunting in Venice. Everyone who ever lived here falls victim to some tragedy. 
like her daughter a year ago. My daughter was my whole life. To hear her voice again, I would give all I have. If someone wants to be heard, we are here. Spirit. And they answered. You saw what I saw. For once in your life, admit that you are up against something bigger than you. Tonight, we are all afraid. We cannot hide from our ghosts. Whether they are real or not. Mm-hmm. Okay, then. So, obviously directed by Kenneth Branagh, starring Kenneth Branagh, Tina Fey, Jamie Dornan, and Michelle Yeoh. This is based on an Agatha Christie novel called Halloween Party. Only now the action moves away from leafy England to Venice, where Hercule Poirot lives in retirement. His friend and novelist, Ariadne Oliver, wants Poirot to attend a seance and observe Mrs. Reynolds, a medium with a certain reputation. Ariadne, for her part, is researching a new book and desperate for a hit. Poirot's intellect is aroused and duly attends. But it's not long before guests meet an unfortunate end. Poirot naturally is on hand to investigate. Now, uh, I'm a big Agatha Christie fan. I, I love Agatha Christie. And I also like Kenneth Branagh's take on Hercule Poirot. It's fairly typical. What you see is what you get. It's beautifully shot and lovely to look at. But it really, I think it really opens the debate as to who the best Poirot is. I think it's becoming a comparator to the best James Bond. Like, who's your favourite James Bond? Now we're going to say, who's your favourite Poirot? And I think Kenneth Branagh's up there. I don't know about you. I mean, are you a fan of uh, Poirot? I remember, I've, I've seen a couple of the newer ones uh, with yeah. him. And then, was it David Suchet? Was, it, was he... David Suchet played Poirot on the small screen. Yeah, I've, that's the only other one I know, I think. Yeah, well... This is what I would say that Kenneth Branagh is is that he's near the top of the tree. the The only one that can top him, I think, is Peter Ustinov, who played Poirot throughout the seventies and the eighties. I think it's worth checking out those films because he brings something quite unique to the role. Albert Finney did something similar with Murder on the Orient Express, and of course Kenneth Branagh remade that film as Hercule Poirot. But Kenneth Branagh is very good. You know, he, he adds something extra to the character. Agatha Christie, apparently, whenever somebody was cast to play Poirot, she was never satisfied. Even with Peter Ustinov, you know, they were either too fat, too thin, too tall, the moustache was wrong, you know. And I, I think, in some ways, Poirot, as played by Kenneth Branagh, is getting closer to what Agatha Christie imagined he would be. But to get back to the film itself, visually, it's, it's stunning. It's great to look at. And it also borders on horror. You know, it kind of, it dips its toe into the horror genre because, you know, it, it stems from a book by Agatha Christie that was Halloween Party. But they've kind of refined it and they, they've twisted, twisted it slightly and turned it into a different direction. But it doesn't harm the story at all. And it's very good. 
because I I watched the trailer for this and I I also looked at the some of the reviews and the poster and stuff and it it did have a very dark like horror kind of leaning yeah. to it. It felt like because when you watch like um, Murder on the Orient Express, yeah, it feels a little bit kind of campy to be honest. It's a bit yeah. sort of like all like cheap and cheerful and, and yeah. you know. Yeah. Everyone's having a lovely time, kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas yeah. this, it did feel a bit more like, oh, okay, they're getting a bit dark here. Um, is that tone like yeah. noticeable? Like that's yeah. a tr- different I th- tone. I think it is. You know, I think a lot of Agatha Christie stories are very tongue in cheek, and you know what you're getting. You know, you know that all the suspects are going to be assembled in one place. They're going to be in the library, or they're going to be on a train carriage, or somewhere. And you've got Hercule Poirot, who's very cleverly working everything out. This, again, as I say, it's kind of shifting it in another direction more. Because this is, I wouldn't say it's scary, but it, is, it puts you on edge more. You mm. don't feel quite as comfortable with it. It's just as enjoyable, but it's not a typical pro story. Not really. It's not a typical Agatha Christie story. But as I said, the when you look at the book, if you read the book, it, it's it's different. It is different. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right. I think you, you've picked that point up well that it is, it is taking Pryro and Agatha Christie stories in a slightly darker direction. But that's no bad thing because no, I think it's like, good. Like especially for like you said, like franchises like Bond and stuff like that. That often they did the same thing, like with each film maybe changing the tone slightly. So it didn't just feel like another outing of the same no. character and the same thing. It was like. Give, especially as well, someone like Branagh, he's made so many films that yeah. he's going to want to be doing different things. He's not going to yeah. want to just be re- rehashing the same story. So it's good that, like I said, I, I was very surprised when I saw the trailer. I thought this actually fits in quite nicely with the October uh, yeah, coming up and yeah, you know, you're right. a little no, scary does. movie to, to go and see so. at the cinema. But um, I really enjoyed it. I liked it. You know, I, I think possibly um, Agatha Christie is an acquired taste in, in some ways, but the skill with Agatha Christie is that it's misdirection insofar that she can, will give you the solution very, very easily and she'll snatch it back again <laughs> and she'll send you off in a different direction. And you see that in, in so many of her stories where you had the solution, but she kind of gets you to look elsewhere, you know, makes you look at other characters. Oh, I think maybe it was so-and-so. Yeah. That's what's great about Agatha Christie. But I think, in the hands of Kenneth Branagh, I, I think the genre, uh, the, the franchise is is doing well, doing very well. Yeah, I thought you were going to say in safe hands there. I thought he's going to say in safe hands. But well, you know, didn't. I, I thought about it. I thought about it, you know. But... Yeah, no, I thought maybe <laughs> you're, you're not so sure about Branagh's hands, are you? Yeah, well, look, you never know. I've not seen his hands. I mean, I'll tell you what you do see more of in the in uh, Oku films, it's his moustache. It's incredible. It is a lot, isn't it? Because yeah. even the films I've seen, I was like, they really made a point to make it stand out. And I thought, all, all power to him. I'm here yeah, for it. That's absolutely fine. And it, he must grow that properly. That's not a false moustache. That is something, something he's grown. I'm sure it is. You couldn't possibly stick one of those on and get away with it, could you? you know? <laughs> I don't think so. Anyway, I never tried it myself. Have you? No, no, I'm quite lucky. I do grow facial hair quite easily, um, yeah, but I actually don't suit a mustache. I don't know many people who do, to be honest. So I've um, I've not yeah. partaken in it. Um, but if I did have one, I'd like it to be like Poirot's. I think okay. that is pretty. Good. Okay, then fair enough. 
Um, our next uh, film lead character does not have a mustache. Is that a good enough segue? It's not great a segue, but it's it, it's, a, it's a segue. It's good enough. It'll do for now. It'll do for now. Um, is Paul Dano starring in the film Dumb Money? Dumb Money, yeah. Okay then, Dumb Money, directed by Craig Gillespie, starring Paul Dano, Seth Rogen, Vincent Donofrio. Donofrio, I always get his name wrong, and Shalane Woodley. Based on a true story, this is about the little man standing up to the fat cats of Wall Street. Keith Gill is a financial advisor who plays the stock market. With a blog and a YouTube channel, he generates interest in an obscure company called GameStop. Soon, all and sundry are buying shares in the company, forcing their value through the roof. Panic spreads among hedge funds as tactical dealing is thrown into turmoil. Now, here's the thing about all stock markets. They rely on confidence. Small investors stick because they're confident the value would increase. They're millionaires, but only on paper. If they sell the share, the share price will go through the floor as the market will be flooded with shares. It's all about supply and demand. But who will blink first? This is a bright and engaging film, but needs a fair amount of concentration. I'd recommend some light reading before you see it, or else you might get lost in the terminology. A short squeeze isn't quite what it sounds like. But really, unless you're familiar with the stock market, you might struggle. I only just about kept up with it myself. I had to dredge my memory of A-level economics. Cool, that was painful. (laughs) But it's well worth the effort. You've got to be patient and stick with it. It's a thinking film, but very, very good. I mean, I watched the trailer for this as well, and I was very intrigued. I love these sort of films. Yeah. Um, like we, the, the Big Short was a, a good film that was yeah, out a few years like ago. That. It had yeah. a similar kind of tone, obviously. Yeah. And yeah. you've got these. I think these sort of films often do well in times of economic crisis although i do wonder yeah. when it, when are we not in economic crisis well, i feel like i, I always am <laughs> um, I I, yeah. particularly at the moment so that when yeah. you've got these stories about you know the your every man just suddenly being able to take on this crazy system and uh, give it the mm. big you know two fingers i think yeah. that those films often do well and a great cast i was i was watching because yeah. I, I do like paul Dano and um there's a few people in this film, like on, like say, Shailene Woodley, she's great. Yeah. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio. It's the sort of film that's like, oh, yeah, definitely got to watch this because mm. these people wouldn't attach themselves to something that wasn't worth no. watching, you know? No. I, I think it's very well cast. The the actors really in, interact with each other really well. And um, you're right. It is a story about, it's David and Goliath. It, you know, that's where the title of the film comes from, Dumb Money. That's what they call small investors. All the fat cats on Wall Street and possibly on our stock exchange as well, they would call small investors. That's dumb money. They're putting money into a company that's not worth anything. But what's fascinating about this film really is how somebody like uh, like Gil, um, Keith Gill, is that he's an ordinary, ordinary guy who's, who's getting people to take notice of what he's doing and people gain confidence in him because he's buying money in this company and that that share value is going up, and it's disturbing the equilibrium, right? Because the big guys, the big, the fat cats, have got it all their own way. They can do what they like. They can manipulate the market, do exactly what they want. But here's someone who's just an ordinary guy out in the street, who's managing to take them on, and it's a true story as well. That makes it even better in my book. 
it's a true story. It actually happened. So I think it's it's one to, to mark for, for your attention because it is that kind of film. But you have to, as I say, you have to concentrate on it. You know, but it's very good, very enjoyable. I think when they have films about money and you know uh, investing and things like Wolf of Wall Street, we mentioned yeah. Big Short stuff like that, where yeah. it's a bit like sometimes they do have to kind of <laughs> I don't know explain it in layman's terms because otherwise it would just be like what sorry what yeah. like you know, you're not going to enjoy it if you can't yeah. understand it. But that's why I, why I would say just have a look, have a read up of what actually happened. Not too much, just just sort of. Read up on, on what the story is basically about and how a stock market works. Because otherwise, you might get lost. I mean, I'm not saying we're not capable of understanding what's going on. I mean, the principle is buying and selling when all's said and done, right? It's a bit like playing poker, right? So there, there are kind of touch points within the film that, that you we all relate to. But it helps. It, it aids your, your appreciation of what's going on if you just know a little bit about it before before you watch it. Well, thank you, Brian, for right. the cinema reviews. Mm. Um, so all three films are currently available to see in cinemas. Mm. Um, and yeah, we recommend you see them all because yeah, they're, they're all good, good crop there, actually, yeah, Brian. I know. Crop. Did well this time. Did, Did well. well. Yeah. We're moving on now. And this could be another film whereby some um, pre-reading would be worthwhile because... I knew nothing about this subject, if I'm honest, um, is El Conde, uh, the uh, new film on Netflix yeah. from Pablo Lorraine. And yeah, it's all about Augusto Pinochet. Mm. Um, did you know much about Chilean history, Brian? Uh, a fair bit. Well, so I wouldn't say an awful lot. But, you know, when I was growing up, I kind of half remember the Pinochet regime. I was very young at the time. I might have been eight or nine when Pinochet took power. And I also recall a film uh, about the Pinochet years in Chile. It's a film called Missing uh, with David Shea and Jack Lemmon and Sissy Spacey. If you, ever, if you can find it, it is a fantastic film. That's a, that's a good cast. Yeah, a oh, fantastic good. cast, yeah. yeah. And it's a trick, again, another true story, folks. But it was based on the Pinochet years. And uh, Jack Lemmon and Sissy Space that were a father and daughter trying to find uh, the son-in-law, played by David Shea, who went missing in Chile. And that was probably early 80s. And so I know a reasonable amount about Ch- Chile, but I, I understand why it could be a... a a blind spot for a lot of people because it is we're talking the best part of 50 years ago when it when he was a name so to speak you know so yeah but i think some reading is probably is necessary here because with this so el conda is um a black comedy take mm. on it it's 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 cross high it's like a hybrid with a, a vampire yeah. story yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it's obviously not a it, it's certainly not a documentary, um, no, but it's no. it's playing on this idea of the character, but then throwing it into a whole different yeah. uh, idea that actually he was born in the French Revolution, became yeah. a vampire, then has mm-hmm. lived for centuries, and then became this terrible dictator mm. who is now living his sort of final years. Doesn't want to carry on, wants to give it all up and die, um, but has the issue of giving away his money and things to mm. his kids who are all like uh yeah. sponges is that the right word yeah, I think yeah. that's, that's that's a pretty good good expression being really nice, nice i think yeah. about it. um 
but the accountant who comes over to sort of oversee all this is um from a, a kind of religious background and actually maybe she's trying to kill the vampire as well yeah. it's it, i would say it's a film that if you go into this completely blind is incredibly confusing yeah. um it's all over the place and i think that you know like i said the, the background on chili is needed i think you mm. need to have at least a good understanding of what it the character was meant to be in order to yeah. appreciate what they're doing here. Cause yeah. I, I felt like a lot of it was going over my head. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about it? I, I quite liked it. Um, it's, it's an inspired idea though, isn't it? The idea that you can uh, take uh, a South American dictator like Pinochet and make him a flying vampire. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, yeah, okay, it kind of, you know, it's so, it's so weird. I mean, mm. it's, that's the word that, that screams at you all the way through this. It's weird. It is very because, weird, yeah. Because at one point, uh, Carmen Sita, who's the um, the accountant or the religious lady who, who, and who tries to do an exorcism, exorcism, she, tr- she ends up interviewing members of the family, doesn't she? Yeah. yeah. And, which I think is kind of, in some ways, becomes a cross-examination of the Pinochet years and how they gain from the patriarch's dirty deeds. But that's not immediately obvious. So it's kind of throwing lots of different ideas at you. And a real curveball for me was Margaret Thatcher appearing at the end. <laughs> I thought, hang on. Hi, hang on I knew you were going to say that. I was the same. I was like, what? Hang <laughs> what on a minute. On? But so, I, as I say, I liked its quirkiness, its weirdness really appealed to me. But you're right, though, that if you don't have any appreciation of Pinochet and what he did, it won't make even the slightest bit of sense. Because it's, it's obviously, it's being ironic. There's lots of irony in here. And like you say, the, she's interviewing the family members that if you didn't connect the fact that what she was talking about were actual real events that yeah. were <clears throat> horrific and barbaric <clears throat> that the power of that is completely lost on the audience because yeah. they don't understand why that is so deep um i did really because i did have some uh vague understanding of who pinochet was but certainly not in any kind of great detail yeah. uh but i so i got the idea of the film so i went in at least knowing okay yeah this is like a send-up but it's like a, a hybrid but i still feel that had i known more about what was going on that mm. i would have got more out of it yeah um i, I think, think that's true in terms of the actual film making it's incredible there's lots of really really impressive sequences i love the flying i thought the flying yeah. was really powerful no, i know <laughs> really I know. great yeah. um yeah the, the cinematography the way it's shot is fantastic yeah, it's, I should say as well, it's uh, it's black and white, the it's whole film, and, white, yeah. and it is presented in uh, the original Spanish language. I, halfway through, switched to the English. Uh, yeah, you mm. can change the audio. Yeah. The reason for that was, I don't, I typically never do that. The reason was, it was so fast talking, mm. I could not read the subtitles fast enough. It was no. just impossible to keep up. That I was like, do you know, I'm going to have to watch it in English because I'm not getting this... Uh, well, yeah. I was spending so much time focusing on the subtitles that I wasn't right. actually watching it. And I, like I said, I don't normally do that, but I did have to for this one. Yeah, I mean, generally, I struggle with subtitles. I've got better at reading subtitles in recent years, but I don't know whether it's laziness on my part that the fact that you are, 
you know, that you're kind of reading the bottom of the screen and trying yeah. to watch what's going on. And I find that distracting. My wife doesn't like it. She can't do it. She, she yeah. She's the same. She's like, it's distracting. But for me, I yeah. grew up with, we always put them on. Not, I don't need them. I, we just always had them on for some reason. And I just grew up watching them with them. So I'm kind of used to it. But with this, I struggled. Yeah. Uh, I suppose the, the alternative to that, though, with a foreign language film is to see something dubbed. And yeah. I think that's kind of variable, really. I mean, you you... You obviously get what's going on precisely, but I mean, unless you speak that language, you're not going to appreciate exactly what's got, what's being said, mm. right? And when it is translated into English, something is always lost. That you know? is what is interesting as well. Is sometimes you switch over, right? So you've got originally it's in Spanish, and you've got the subtitles, which is the English version of what they're saying, but then the dubbed audio doesn't match up with the english mm. subtitles it's really yeah. strange because it's like it, it wouldn't make sense to yeah. say those things so yeah. it was like I said, I, that may have impacted my enjoyment slightly of the, the latter half of the film yeah. but i just i got to the point where i was like nope i'm focusing so much on reading yeah. and i'm not actually no. absorbing the film because you, there were exactly. so many really great bits to the film it's it's yeah. it, it does have that like i say weird is definitely the first yeah. word that comes to mind but there's also like there's a dark comedy is it's got lots of these um they're bits that are funny is bits that are really kind of they do get you mm. um but largely i found it i said i'd say kind of disturbing but in a kind of frenetic way because there mm. was so much going on there's a lot of characters a lot of the children are all like plotting and scheming at the same time yeah. there was a lot going on like they're blending up hearts because he's trying to like yeah. revive himself so there was a, a bit of a horror element yeah. um yeah. there was lots of pensive cello music being used mm. throughout as well to create this like weird tone that yeah. i don't know for me i just feel that I could. I don't think I could appreciate it on a level that I needed to, but I understood that it was a, yeah. a well-made film, at least. Yeah, absolutely, no question. It's well made. I'd be interested to know what the reaction to this film was in Chile, because it's a mm. Chilean film, because this is dealing with a very dark period in the, that country's history, where I wouldn't mind betting that every family was affected by the Pinochet regime in some way, and I'd be inter- I'd be fascinated to learn what the public reaction was in Chile when this went out when it was first broadcast over there because it, as i say it's dealing with something that must be very painful for that nation to actually relive what happened back then well you know? let me check to see if we have any chilean listeners to the podcast oh, that's, a, that's an idea you never know yeah, yeah you if you're know. if you're a chilean listener obviously this would be if you're based in Chile, but also maybe you're not based in Chile, but you are Chilean, in fact. Yeah, So exactly. do get in touch um, yeah. and let us know what you thought. But let's just mm. have a look, because you never know. Maybe we've got some, yeah. someone there. Put, put it out there. Let's see what happens. Spain. Colombia. We've got some South America. So Yeah, Chile. 11. 11 oh, listeners in Chile. So of those 11, please get in touch. Tell us what yeah. you thought of El Absolutely. We are clearly not up to the task, you know, no, compared no. to people that have lived in the in the country of origin. So, yeah, um, it'd be great to hear from you. And that was mm. the original point of this show, UK Film Club, was to mm. have people contribute. So yeah. do send in your reviews and let us know mm. what you thought. Um, right. Also, feel free to do that as well if you're not Chilean. I don't think we should make yeah, that a, like, a prerequisite for every yeah, review. <laughs> don't restrict it that much, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
so that was your streaming pick, guys and gals and everyone in between uh, for this month, which is available on Netflix and it came out sort of the latter half of September. So it should be on there for a while. So you've got no excuse not to at least check it out. But I have stated, I think Brian agrees, a little bit of pre-reading yes. wouldn't go amiss. Yes, absolutely. Let's move on now to our short and indie films. These are films that filmmakers have specifically sent us and asked us to review. So we are obliged to. And Mm -hmm. we will be as honest and as respectable as possible because we want to make sure that these films get a fair Mm. reviewing. Um, Some of these will have been reviewed on the website. Some may not have been. But Mm -hmm. um, what we do here is just to shine a light on films that should be able to stand toe-to-toe with all the other films that we review. And we're going to start with a short film from filmmaker Liam Treacy called The Interview. Tell me, Mr. Harrington, why do you want to work for Duncan James and Associates, the most notorious criminal law firm in the world? Well, I've always had a passion for fighting the good fight, standing up for the little man, and making sure that the worst people in the world are out there walking the streets. I know your firm has a history of representing some of the most reprehensible people in recent memory, and I'd like to put my experience defending murderers, rapists, and pedophiles to good use. Do you really think you're going to impress them with answers like that? Well, if you have something better, I'm all ears. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, go. Uh, this is it's a really interesting film. Yeah. Kind of, and actually, I put it here because similarly to uh, El Conde, it's like, it's slightly dark. It's got this kind of dark, ironic comedy sort of feel to it. Um, and it was a bit, you didn't quite know what to think of it because mm. the setup is that this, uh, this, lawyer at the beginning and he's talking on the phone and he's being mm. like kind of classic lawyer yeah. um a bit brutal and then we find out he's talking to his mum yeah i love that i love that which was great i thought that yeah. I, was, I did not see that coming no, and then a guy sits in front of him and starts asking him questions a lot of questions mm. as if he's in an interview and that's like mm. the name of the film um but all's not quite as it seems there's something kind of a bit off about this scenario the the main lawyer, the sort of more, albeit looking successful lawyer, mm. um, kind of ignores this guy for quite a while, or just keeps looking at his phone, mm. but then does react at some point. I'm reticent to give away the ending because I think the ending's worth the sort of twist. Yeah. Um, but what do you think of the interview, Brian? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. It's good, I, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's as you say. I don't feel we can say too much because it kind of gives away the beauty of this film because I think in some ways it's it's uh, portraying a situation we've all been in because there's two men sitting in the same room they're both allegedly or by the look of it to me what I got from it was they're both going to be interviewed for the same job they're both lawyers one's really hot shot the other one's a bit of a mess isn't he with his shirt hanging out <laughs> and all the rest of it right and you're sitting in the same room with another candidate We've all done that, haven't we? We've all sat in the same room with a candidate for a job that we're being interviewed for. And it's a bit like, oh, what do you say? Do you make conversation? Do you try and pick up hints? What do you think they're thinking? All that type of thing. But of course, it's in a completely different environment. It's in a very elite field, isn't it? This firm of lawyers seem to specialise in getting crooks off the hook. 
you know. Not, yeah, there's a sense being... that the, the law firm is like uh, knowingly representing mm. bad people, and that's where like he's like guiding his answers towards being like, yes, yeah. I will do all of these like reprehensible things for your yeah. firm, and that's why you should hire <clears throat> yeah. me. Yeah. So you know, I like that. I like that kind of that interplay between the two of them is really good. But um, I think it's great. I really enjoyed it. You know, the and it it's not often when a film, a short film, surprises you, genuinely surprises you. Um, but this this does because you don't really know where it's going. I mean, as far, as far as I could see, you just got two men sitting in the same room waiting to be interviewed for the same job. That's it. That's where it that's where it's, it puts you. But where's it going to take you? That's I that's think what's great. The setup kind of works because they, they've done it very simply in one room there's no other locations and there's not much uh wizardry going on i think there's no. one point where the camera turns around which actually was a bit jerky to be honest but generally it's quite good lots of close framing of like the the guy asking all the questions and stuff and it really puts you into this intimate moment between these two people who yeah. are, are apparently strangers that you then are given obviously very deplorable characters, really, or at least you know, what they're talking about is yeah. quite nasty. Yeah, yeah, you can't help but be gripped into what they're talking about and what's no. going on and and how they found themselves in the situation. And I love that sometimes with short films because they throw you into this what is essentially a could be a scene from a much bigger film. Yeah, that you like just going you you finding like, where am I? Who what's going on? Yep. Who am I meant to be rooting for? I yeah. I, I love that they they did well to keep that sense of mystery around what was going yeah. on whilst also you know going into stuff about you know greed and uh <clears throat> power and, and law and money and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. I think it, it explored all those things really well. But it yeah. was a film that managed to know where the strengths of short filmmaking are. Yeah. Um and yeah, I I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean the morality is very clear there though, isn't it? Because any 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 professional, whether it's a, a law firm, an accountancy firm, it's that eternal dilemma they have that do you know how concerned should we be about our clients? How much should we care about them? Should we be worried whether they're guilty, innocent, or indifferent? Right? Does that alter us representing them? They're entitled to a fair trial. If we can get an acquittal, happy days. But what are the what morals are, are at play there? And that's what what you, I was getting from that. And it's that's not easy to put across in a limited time frame, which is what we've always said about short films that you've got so little time. To introduce the characters, set up the plot. What's the premise? Where's it going to go? Where's the punch? Where's the punchline? What's it going to leave you with? And they, we've only got about ten minutes. Sometimes it's even less than that with the opening and closing titles taking off. Yeah, you know, you're not talking about that many scenes, but they do it so well in this particular short. I'm really impressed with it. Very good. Um... To find a short film called The Interview may be difficult online because there are quite a few with this name. So do yeah, look I at... That. Um, yeah, I, I, I was always finding information about the film. I sort of struggled. So um, it, the director and the writer's name is Liam Treacy, which is T-R-E-A-C-Y, uh, and it stars Michael Lake 
and Dane Wesley. So just to give you any kind of uh, tips on finding more about the film, I don't believe it's out yet because the link we were sent was a uh, password protected link. And mm-hmm. you can find Liam on Instagram. Uh, so it's Liam Adam Treacy, uh, all one word after Instagram. So yeah, do keep an eye on it, especially yeah. you know, follow, follow the filmmaker because often obviously they're, be promoting the movie and let you know when it's available. I really yeah. enjoyed it, and obviously it's Brian stuff. has been yeah. singing praises too. Yeah. And it's a really good example of what can be done with a short film. You know, we were talking mm. earlier about horror films and yeah. you know, uh, how they can make a lot out of not that much budget. And I think with this film, it, it does a lot with very simple ingredients. So mm. yeah, congrats! Absolutely, yeah. The interview. Mm-hmm. We are heading to Ireland now, Northern Ireland, with a feature film from writer-director Danny Patrick called Pulcinella. Are you alright? Well, the truth's gonna come out sooner or later. I mean, you won't be able to hide that belly for long. I don't know what you're up to. If we went to England, no one would find out. I was wondering, Miss, what's England like? England. A friend of mine has gotten herself into trouble and needs to go there. An abortion. What happened to that smart and sensible? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The girl that I was talking to months ago. I mean, we've been friends our whole lives, and I'm upset that you haven't discussed this with me. How long do you think it'll take your mother to work it out? She doesn't know, does she? How was your summer? I was boring. So boring you wouldn't believe, you know, like super boring. Don't start with any lies. It's not totally impossible to have a baby and go to college. You're not given to coincidence, Father. An open mind may help you find the messages you need. Uh, Polchinella was a ballet, wasn't it, Brian? As far as I know... As far as I know, it is an obscure ballet, but that doesn't make me much the wiser if someone tells me it's obscure, because my, <laughs> most ballets are obscure to me. But yeah, a ballet. It's also pretty misleading to have even mentioned it with this review, because this film is not a ballet um, no. at all. It's got more in common with a film like Juno, to be honest. Uh, we see a girl, um teenage girl, and it's based in Northern Ireland, close to Catholic school, um, but she is pregnant. And 
the whole film centers around her kind of coming to terms with that mm-hmm. whilst they're also putting on this school show of the same name um, and how she's going to deal with it. She lives with her single mother uh, as well as her nan, but obviously where they live, uh, pregnancy and abortion mm-hmm. is obviously the uh, very heavy topic in terms mm-hmm. of what she can do. And uh, she plans on leaving and go to England to uh, maybe get an abortion. So, yeah, it's a, it's a heavy film, but it's not done heavily. I found that actually oh. it was very accessible. It was a lighter oh. film than I was expecting and oh. great performances and just generally all around good. But what do yeah. you think of Pochinello, Brian? I really, really liked it. This is quality. It's real quality. It's well acted. And like most good dramas, it has pockets of humour woven into the dialogue. That It is dealing with a very heavy subject, particularly where it's located in Northern Ireland. And it brings to light the issues that women experience when they contemplate termination and pregnancy where they have to have to leave the country or they you know the law is changing there now but i mean it shows you the the um the dilemmas they're in when it happens not only is Anya a schoolgirl, is pregnant but she's catholic living in northern ireland port rush uh, a country with very strict abortion laws so it brings that side of the story to the fore. But it, it's just so well acted. It's beautifully acted. I, what I, the only thing I don't get about it is that uh, Jamie Winston gets top billing in this film. And she's not in it that much, really. She's the, the drama teacher. I was trying to work out who she was. Yeah, she's the drama teacher, isn't she? Drama well, she's teacher. Important character, but she's certainly yeah. not even yeah. top not even top three. In the... Yeah, very good. Very good in the role. But... I'm surprised she got top billing because the stars of this film are Neve J- James, who plays Anya, and Todd Bell, who plays Leo, her best friend. Yeah, they're the two stars. They, I mean, they were all great, but you know, I think it's a shame that they didn't get on the on the on top top billing because they should have done uh, because I think they were so good. What you've also got with this film, though, is some very interesting subplots going on as well because Leo's brother the one who's covered in all, all the tattoos, uh, is kind of on the fringes of criminality, shall we say. And Leo kind of inadvertently gets sucked into it all. But I love the interplay between Leo and Anya, where they're not, you know, you think they're boyfriend and girlfriend, but they're not. They're best friends. And they're both appearing in in the play. He's trying to swing a much bigger part because he wants to get to kiss the girl that's playing opposite him. And I love all of that. It's just that kind of all that kind of uh, teenage angst, the angst of puberty, you know, is all coming through there. And I love that kind of really human story. Uh, great storytelling. Um, brilliant. That's how you act. That's how you get a, a message across. It's a lovely film. And it is obviously the, the abortion side and the pregnancy side, but there's also the aspect that she's having these dreams about suicide as well yeah yeah. that's thrown in there and you know we're talking about these things but it never feels so heavy that you 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 don't want to keep watching it it actually feels a lot lot lighter than i think we're describing it um and i think that is largely due to this balance that the filmmaker has sort of captured of being okay yes this is heavy and there is drama here and there's lots and lots of sequences which Mm. are affecting but on the other side of it there's also lots of merriment and whimsicalness and and silliness and i think you know this character is 
a teenager yeah. and her best friend's yeah. a teenager and they have to go through those sort of things together too yeah. um yeah. i think the yeah the chemistry between her and leah i think was the for me the standout i was like yeah mm. i could i could watch these two characters do whatever yeah, whatever's next you know it's, maybe leo needs a storyline next year i'd happily just yeah. carry on with them yeah um definitely. Great locations. It's sort of, mm. got sort of uh, by the sea uh, bits. Um, yeah, the subplot. I was I wasn't sure about the subplot of this sort of because they they're trying to rob a card game, and I was yeah. like, and also, Anya's mum has a situation where she sort of loses her job, and they then bring this. That's boss. right. He he yeah. kind of comes into it for. As I wasn't sure that was really yeah. necessary. I think yeah. it almost felt a little bit to me like they thought. Oh, let's make sure people don't get bored or, or get too bogged down with the the heavy yeah. stuff. Let's throw in these other. But actually, you didn't need that because the characters yeah. were rounded enough for that. Yeah. Um. But it was still fine. It was kind of more yeah. adding to the eccentricity of the area, I guess, yeah. where you got a yeah. bit more going on. I, I think I think you're right. I never thought of that actually. Where where they put in that kind of subplot, which I, I mean I, I liked it, but it is kind of a bit like like you say, it's a kind of a, a way of putting a bit of action in to say right we don't want it to be too talky we don't want it to be too you know thought-provoking you know we don't want people to yeah. think too much on something that's a serious matter you know so yeah it could be that that could be that could be going on there as well it could but, even be you know maybe there's some i haven't actually looked into Pochinello in terms of the story maybe there's some uh lines from there that are being drawn but i just found that stuff a bit distracting. Mm-hmm. I did like knowing more about Leo's home life. I thought that was important, but to yeah. have dedicated so much time to it and also to actually give a lot of screen time in the final third to it, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. that you are really making a lot of this. Whereas actually what we really care about is, is Anya and mm-hmm. her situation and what she's yeah. going to do. Yeah. Yeah. But otherwise though, it's a lovely film. It, it really, de- it deserves the highest praise. Because, you know, we always talk about great storytelling, don't we? And that's what it's doing. Absolutely. And Pulcinella is um, due for a release at the end of October uh, 2023, if you're listening to this now, (laughs) if you're listening to it in in the future. Again, (laughs) hi. Uh, um, But, yeah, directed and written by Danny Patrick. So do look it out. um, And, yeah, it's a a fascinating film. Mm. It's got a lot, a lot of, um, a lot of strength. So yeah, mm. fantastic. Mm. Uh, sticking with the indie features, uh, we now move to um, Darren Bender's indie film Ferryman, which mm. he co-wrote with Darren Paul Fisher. I was just fishing for how you two met each other. I don't think she'd like me to tell you. We should get married. She joined a club. This is the last time we talk about it. We had a mutual friend. We advise all club members limit conversation with their ferryman to departure instructions only. Yeah, surely you can get sent to jail for that. I mean, that must be illegal. So you have to be a ferryman to get a ferryman. This again, we're dealing with some heavy themes. Apologies, yeah. we didn't put a trigger warning out at the beginning, but uh, you know, uh, some of the things we're talking about are um, very heavy, and this film mm. is no exception because we f- have a character 
who was an ex-soldier who's trying to find his way again, goes to see his, I think his old sergeant, um, yeah. <clears throat> who was injured during combat and is now in a wheelchair. Mm. But we discover that he, the, the sergeant ends his life using the help of what, this ferryman system, which is mm. essentially a community of people who are also looking to end their own lives and they use each other for support to do so using a text-based system, which basically is that you help someone end their life and then you can get someone mm. to help you end mm. yours. Um, not in a sort of murdery sense, but more in right. a sense of that they'll be there just to make sure that it all kind yeah. of goes off that hitch and you don't end mm. up in a hospital bed somewhere or in a police station. So then our central character chases after the fairy, well, fairy woman, I should say, um, yeah. <laughs> and of of his sergeant, but sort of starts to piece together maybe quite sort of what's going on, but mm. then he also falls for her yeah. um, and finds out more about her situation because you know, why is it that she's part of this group? Why, why is she ending mm. her life? Mm. And... Um, Spoilers, I'm going to put that there because I feel like I've given quite a lot away, but she has a um, some kind of disease that basically means she's going to die soon. Um, so the film then becomes a bit more about her, life, her last days, spending them with our young soldier and him coming to terms with the idea that she isn't going to be around. Um, Eve, her name is and his name's Ash. Yeah. So I think that was a very messy way of describing the film, but... Well- it kind of captured most of the points, right? Yeah. Yeah. Chris, there's no other way of describing it because, you know, we can always be very conscious of spoilers, right? And we, we try and sort of give the listeners enough information to make a decision about the film and think, right, what's this going to be like? But with a film like Ferryman, you have to put that detail in because you can't sort of be sparing about the detail. You know, you have to go in into deeper into the characters to really understand what it's about. Otherwise, you know, you'll be none the wiser if you're reading a review of this film or if you're listening to us talking about it. So you had to describe it in that way, really. This is dealing with some very tough themes, very difficult issues. Terminal illness, euthanasia, mental health. It's a lot to process, but it's very well written, well acted, but it is relentlessly depressing. <laughs> uh, no, but it is. You won't want to put that on the poster though, would you? Relentlessly yeah, depressing. Yeah, I know. I know but, but you see, the thing is, Possibly some people wouldn't be bothered about that. But, you know, it does have moments of, like, relief. I mean, for example, when they were mucking about with the wheelie bin in the... Uh, uh, that in literally the... is the point I've highlighted yeah. next. Yeah, yeah, the wheelie bin in the car park. In the car yeah. park. Wasn't that great? Because And they had a classical piece of music. Was it a Viennese waltz? It's a piece of classical music that you recognise, but you couldn't say who it's by but that was a beautiful scene and it it was so important to break the tension in the way that it did and i love that i love that scene i thought it was great um, and I, I think that is the the crux of this film is and and it also ties to how much i think you'd enjoy it is mm. how much you buy into this blossoming new love because mm. like you say a lot of the stuff in the film is uh, dealing with heavy stuff and you know mm. quote uh, depressing stuff um that you then have a love story in tandem with it that you've got the light and the dark happening at the same time because you know there's bits of where they're having their romance this blossoming romance which are absolutely beautiful it's lovely mm. it's a really like yeah. joyful uh experience yeah. but then on the 
right underneath it is this terrible storyline that she's trying to kill herself yeah has I also know. just helped someone else kill themselves and then he also is suffering clearly with ptsd and yeah. lots of stuff yeah. you know, from his past that yeah. it's a it's a mix but for me i i bought it enough that i did think yes i i'm enjoying their relationship i understand that maybe they've come together quick but both of them are in a place in their life where that would happen because yeah. she's in need of this sort of like you know final experience of life and he's mm. in this situation where he doesn't know what to do with the rest mm. of his life and i think mm. that them coming yeah. together felt kind of like fate really i yeah i think also that the one positive positive note in the film really is about living for the moment isn't it it's about enjoying what you what you have here and now yeah right and that's probably the most positive side that comes through is that you know tomorrow will take care of itself live for today live for the moment that's especially for the case the case for evie eve the the situation she's in but it's a it's a message that everyone can draw in isn't it you know so i think there's that side of it as well but you know it is good it is good but it's a tough watch at at times it's a very tough watch yeah i think so like with Polchinello, which you just reviewed, mm. it's I think it's a lot lighter with what it's doing, whereas with this, I think it does get really into the thick of the dark stuff and you are dealing mm. with a lot and it's it's a bit more action y, there's a bit more yeah. uh tension being mm. presented, I think, for the viewer that you it's not the same kind of experience and also you're gonna kind of go through it and feel a lot um I think you're, you're being asked a lot as well. Like, for example, yeah. there's a bit where, uh, I must look up the name of the main character, Ash, that yeah. he intervenes in a certain situation mm. and goes oh, when, right. when Eve was meant to be there. And yeah. I'm like, what he does is mm. like, that's a very strong action that mm. you, for what he was meant to be mm. doing. That I, mm. I, yeah, I think you do have to kind of suspend a bit of disbelief in terms of, the actions of what's going on yeah um but it yeah. is a very uh, you know unique in you know, yeah. because also with the film yeah you know, the, the whole ferryman system this whole yeah. tech system that in itself is a whole film easily like maybe more yeah it could be yeah and then but then you've got this like romance and euthanasia and uh situation between eve and ash that mm. is also its own film it felt All like right. um there was that film me before you which was based yeah. on, a, on yeah. a on a book that it yeah. felt like that film was being put into this other like thriller i know it's a lot i feel like the filmmakers really have sort of thought you know what we're going to make a big film here this is huge yeah, I know. and it does it all within an hour and a half it's not like a long film and yeah, yeah hats off to the filmmakers because it was ambitious it's massively mm. ambitious and mm. i i totally bought it i was really yeah. in, engaged in it throughout yeah. I, I it was not boring at all no. um I just think that you do have to kind of take a lot in at once and go, oh, okay, mm. yeah, all right. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it was very, very ambitious. So that's the yeah. word I would use for this one, definitely. And, and I watched it all the way through. What what I often do with with films is that I do break break them up a little bit, particularly if I'm watching them online. It's very easy to do. But this film, I watched all the way through. Yeah, you know, I, did, I, I, I did too. I, actually, I, I did with all of these. Yeah. Um, even even El Conde, which I thought actually I was going to have to not, but yeah, no, yeah. I, I watched this all the way through, and I think you do need to stay in the moment. I don't think yeah. it would be a film that would benefit from breaking it up at all. Break, yeah, it breaks the tension, doesn't it? Yeah, if, if you do, yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, 
but yeah, also just shout out to the music in the film because it's got this really nice yeah. acoustic music throughout. And I, yeah, I really, really did. That. Yeah, um, I like that. Yeah. There was one bit though, and I've put this in my notes as the last note because it's a little bit of a sort of <laughs> just a personal thing. But there's a yeah. bit where she's roasting marshmallows on top of a toaster. Yeah, I yeah. found that so stressful to watch. I, I know like, you can't do that. You're going to ruin that toaster. That's a hazard. That's such a hazard. <laughs> Come on, I know you. I know you like looking at dying, but not not from a yeah. marshmallow yeah. On a toaster. Health is health is safety. You know, it's, it's it's not on. It's not happening, is it? Really? Well, it, it is did, happening. It but, did also know. make me very hungry. I was like, oh, I could go for some of that. Yeah, right? so, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Ferryman, um, let's say directed by Darren Bender. It's currently, I believe, available to watch on Prime Video, according to its IMDb page. Yeah, and good, good stuff. Yeah, I definitely recommend people mm. seek it out. Um, <clears throat> I've been, yeah, very impressed with it. Um, and yeah, it sounds like Brian has too. So yeah, yeah definitely. Go and check out just see if there's any other. There is a Facebook page, uh, Ferryman Movie, um, and there's an Instagram, Ferryman.film. So you've got no excuse not to check it out. No, no, no. Even our 11 Chilean listeners, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go and watch. <laughs> so, I, I'm really impressed by that. We've got 11 Chilean listeners. Yeah. Um, mm, really impressed. Let's see what else. We've got. One Guatemalan listener. Ah. If you are our Guatemalan listener, please get in touch. Yeah, get in touch. Because yeah. that is fabulous. Um, <laughs> yeah. Moving on now to another indie feature film uh, directed by Peace Osigbe Golden Stripes. Who are all of these people? My ancestors, my inspiration. I want to make a difference in life. The world's so messed up. I just want to leave it in a better place then. Said he couldn't protect me if I told anyone. If it's normal, what's he protecting me from? You don't know about surviving, man. My whole life's a struggle, bro. If he was as great as everyone made him out to be, he wouldn't have got himself killed. They've been linked to a string of crimes against young women, but none of them have ever been charged. Bitch, shut up! Please! You should have pushed harder. I need you to watch it. With every fibre in my body, I will not fail to find out who did this to you. Where is he? <laughs> now, this, again, the word ambitious comes to mind. Yeah. Um, it yeah. was trying to take on a lot of heavy themes, this film. Mm. Um, so we're presented with a character early on called Tyrone. Um, and the very first scene, I'm correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, but is mm. that he experiences some issues with a priest. Did that That's happen? Right. Yeah. No, that, happen. that was yeah. that was the very first scene, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. So we understand yeah. that I think it's giving context that Tyrone has had a very bad childhood but it isn't actually something they come back to as no. far as i'm aware yeah. no. so we later see him uh as more of a as an adult or sort of maybe late teenager um and he's trying to sell his art uh mm. he's been to lots of local galleries mm. and his art is essentially a lot of um people who've influenced him and people who he finds to be powerful but a lot of the galleries won't buy it uh thinking it's going to spark too much tension and they yeah so he feels very sort of despondent about that um there's also the 
the same time, there's a spate of, well, there's a gang going around uh, committing horrific uh, mm. sexual assaults and, and violence mm. against people, mm-hmm. um, mm. which he uh, happens to witness. Mm. Um, and spoilers, uh, he mm. then is tracked down by the gang and they kill him. Mm. The film then becomes about the reaction to his death. Uh, we're still given flashbacks to him and who he was and things like mm-hmm. that. But it's also about, you know, like his girlfriend and his mom and people like that trying yeah. to uh, campaign for justice because it just seems like another thing that the police don't really care about and they aren't mm-hmm. really making much of an effort to, mm-hmm. to solve it. There's a local news channel involved and they're trying to sort mm-hmm. of bring it to the, to the uh, front. Um, but Golden Stripes, Brian, what do you think? I thought it was a brave effort to distill a number of complex issues. But I feel the narrative gets a little bit lost. Uh, let me just think, unpack that a little bit. Tyrone, the central character, is attacked. Uh, but then it, it jumps to a demonstration where people are chanting justice for Tyrone. But we see nothing of the investigation that obviously failed to deliver justice. And the audience should see what went wrong. Otherwise, the story, for me at least, lacks symmetry. And that's what's happened here, that we're not seeing the other side of the story. We're only seeing one side of the story that, you know, he didn't get justice. But why didn't he get justice? What were the, you know, what failed? What went wrong? And that's what I think we're missing here. And it makes the plot slightly lopsided, you know. Uh, But, you know, it is ambitious. I think that's probably the one word I'd use to sum it up. It's, it's the word that you introduced it with, ambitious. It was an ambitious attempt to, as I said earlier on, to distill so many different issues and bring them all together that I think it, it kind of didn't focus enough to make the story complete. Um, aside from that, you know, I like the locations. It was filmed in Dagenham. Of I course, thought, I thought, do you know, I was watching this and I thought I saw some buses go around. And yeah. I thought, bet Brian's loving this. I bet he I know. knows exactly what bus that is well, and where they're going. That's the thing. Um, you know, of course, the story could be set in any, any city. This could happen in any city in the country. We know that. But that kind of gives it more authenticity for me. When you see places that you recognise, that's all good. But for me... I think the uh, the narrative needed to be a bit clearer and a bit more balanced. You know, I, I do think it, it was disjointed. Like I said, that's yeah. why I brought up the the priest bit at the beginning because yeah. I thought that was going to be an actual like yeah. part that we were going to be revisiting, and it, it yeah. wasn't. Yeah. It was just giving context that he came from a very like, yeah. bad background. Then we're given this idea about him becoming an artist. So we think, okay, mm. we're following that. Then he gets killed, and you're like, mm. okay, right. So we're then switching our like point of view to different characters um and there's lots of scenes and lots of things you know different people who are sort of talking and getting involved i found it also even though they were doing all that there's lots and lots of like plots and stuff plots going on yeah that some of the scenes were just so overly long it was mm. almost like they sort of gone look we've written this script so let's film the whole thing and yeah. let's put the whole thing in yeah. like there's a bit where the his sister who's like she's investigating right so yeah. she's, she's a, a journalist that she goes to a party at some point mm. and 
she's saying hello to everyone and they kept it all in the film. She's just yeah. going around the room and saying hello to everyone. I was like, yeah. this does not need to be here at all. They just yeah. needed one like establishing shot of her going into the party, but that was it. But they kept the whole thing in. And I uh, thought, oh, yeah. it might be, maybe they knew all these people and thought, oh, look, we'll put you in the film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll give you a give you a role, give you a credit. Give, yeah, give I, I think the, the editing could have been a bit sharper, possibly. Because it's because long it, as well. It's like almost two hours, right? Yeah. Which and that, I don't think it's it's not strong enough to support no, that. I don't no, think. No. Uh, I, I think two hours is, for what what was for what they shot and what they showed, two hours is a long time. Um, so whilst it, it has its moments uh, and it has potential, but it just didn't didn't give me enough of the story for, for me. Purely as a viewer, um, we didn't see enough, so it it, it kind of lost something for me. But it was a good effort. It's a good effort. At something that's very difficult to capture and portray really well, because there were so many issues going on there. Really, I think it's funny when you think about like. So obviously, we reviewed the interview, which was a short film. We're going to review mm. a short in a minute. That when someone makes the leap to doing a feature film, there's this sense of like, oh, okay, well, how are you going to fill? a feature film but actually i think the opposite is the situation which is how are you going to condense it to a feature that actually is worth all worthwhile because yeah. actually you could film lots and lots of stuff but is it good enough for the film and is it yeah. supporting the narrative because with golden stripes i found that there was a lot of stuff which was unnecessary but there wasn't mm. enough stuff which we needed yeah exactly. and yeah. it was kind of oh, okay uh, the acting was okay across the board I, I, I thought Tyrone was very good I thought he was mm. he was strong but some of the actors are, okay I'm not sure you you're quite uh, holding this up that well mm. and then yeah like I said I just felt that we were given lots and lots of threads that didn't all get tied up mm. certainly not in any meaningful way mm. that I wanted more more clarity there so mm. yeah yeah like I say ambitious and dealing with a lot of really heavy stuff and there are some very standout scenes the bit where they are um protesting I thought that was very good I yeah, thought, well, yeah this, powerful. Is, this is powerful. Yeah, powerful um but there are a lot of other stuff which I don't think was as good as that so yeah um I believe it's uh due in cinemas soon uh, I think oh, it's having like yeah. a I think a limited release I might be wrong but oh, it's okay. saying on October 6th so people actually can go and see this in cinema yeah. I think you know, I'm all for supporting independent filmmakers yeah, and it's absolutely. very difficult to make and release a mm. feature film so do check out Golden Stripes and let us know what you think mm. um, and it'd be great to hear some feedback you know, some reviews of that from people that have also seen it um, on to our final indie film uh, this is a short called Groomed from director Angelo Reyes, and again, we, we are dealing with some heavy themes today. Yeah, um, this is uh, to do with human trafficking, which uh, in which it's a more of a subtle situation that a character could find themselves in. And I think the film is trying to raise awareness that actually human trafficking happens everywhere. Yeah. And it's a very powerful film. Yeah. We see a character uh, living uh, originally at home with her mum, but her mum's a bit kind of not on the same wavelength, shall we say, but she has her own problems mm. and the girl falls in with an older man. Uh, she's 16, he's 30, I believe, or at least that's how old he says he is. Yeah. Uh, at first, he treats her really well, takes her like to this fancy hotel and stuff like that. And lo and behold, we find that actually he has brought her into his network of prostitutes. 
um, and she didn't realize that was what was going to happen to her. And now she's being forced to uh, have sex and do things with some of his friends because at first he sort of says it's his friends that are going to be paying and he just needs to get the money. Um, but then it re- becomes actually clear that this is his business plan and this is how he operates. Mm. Um, this is a 20 minute film and it goes through about two years of this girl's life. Mm. It jumps forward at one point yeah. to see her sort of further down the line. We've used the word a lot in this episode. I'm going to use it again, which is ambitious, because mm. you can't approach a story like this without some trepidation about you know, doing it justice. But mm. I found it very powerful, very effective. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I thought it was very good. It, in some ways, it feels a bit like a public information film. Yeah. That, that's very well contained, that sets down the, the classic scenario for human trafficking, how it can happen, where... A young girl is, has, you know, she lives with her mum, not exactly estranged, but they, they kind of, they lack real contact with each other. And it shows how she can get sucked in, shows how someone can be, someone can be targeted because they're vulnerable, and then they make them dependent. So it's that kind of gradual progression within that scenario that, that's very clearly done. And it, as I say, with, with the opening and closing titles and the captions they put on, it gives it this, the feel of a public information film. And that makes it more effective because it's approached in that way. As you say, that kind of subject matter isn't easy to put into a 20-minute film. But they've done it just as a, a series of signposts and say, look, this is what can happen. This is someone who might be vulnerable. This is someone that could be taken in. This is the kind of person that might be coercive and c- controlling. Uh, and it's all about power. It's all about making somebody dependent on someone else. And they get the message across very well. Again, not not a pleasant watch, but it does its job. No, but I think it's, it's coherent in what it's doing. Yeah. And you know, it breaks it even into these little chapters and it has yeah. these headings about what's going on. And mm. I felt that it was a well-structured film because yeah. they knew, look, we've got to get this across and they're mm. doing it with this character, but not... Yeah. They know they can't go into too much detail. Like mm. you're giving a few scenes, but not they're not giving everything. And it's more about the how it could start from like, which is like her broken home, I guess. How it could easily you know, fall into this dangerous situation, and then obviously later on, spoilers, but you're given how she could potentially get out of that through the sort of chance encounter with a police officer. Um, but they knew that they were doing this in a way that's like, look, it's got to be contained. It's got to work as a, as a short film because Mm -hmm. to try and go into loads more detail would have just left us all feeling very uh, sort of unsatisfied. Whereas actually I think they do really well with what they've given. Um, It is powerful and it is affecting. I I found it quite sort of traumatic at times. Um, Mm. Weirdly enough, actually the, so Ricardo, the character who who groomed her, is the director. Um, and writer as well. Uh, yeah, co-writer, yeah, with Mary J. Dixon. Yeah. Yes, Angela Reyes. And yeah, brilliant performance, very believable. Um, you, this sort of suave, charming guy at the beginning, turning into a bit more of a monster later on. That you sort of, it's done quite neatly. Um, but also the character, I can't remember her name, um, but who plays his sort of like 
lieutenant or the the girl who keeps all the girls in line keeps her in line yeah yeah Yeah. she was really sort of formidable um who she happens to run into like earlier on in the film i think that yeah i i I thought it it could work as an expanded piece i'd be very happy to watch a feature length if they want to go into more detail about these characters but as it as a short it also really works which is good I, i think so i think it's very very good very well done and shows what you can do with a limited amount of screen time. Again, it's a, that sense of economy, isn't it? Mm. Being able to use the time properly. But as I say, the, the way it comes across, it tells a very human story of what can happen and how it's real. This is this is not a fantasy. It is going on. It, it does happen. But what I think is in, interesting is that the girl that, w- that was involved didn't come necessarily come from a broken home. It was... Two people who just had no emotional contact with each other anymore. But it wasn't necessarily a broken home. Not the classic scenario that would force someone out onto the streets as a drifter that might be vulnerable to being picked up by human traffickers. So it didn't take the obvious route at the beginning, which I think is a smart move as well. Fantastic. That's groomed uh, short film. I it does have a website, but there's a technical issue on the site right now. So I'll just direct people. There's a film freeway page for it. So filmfreeway.com forward slash groomed short film, which you should be able to at least watch the trailer and things on there. Um, there is a link to the website there, but when I've tried to get on it, it doesn't actually work uh, for me. So yeah, it's definitely worth uh, checking out. It says 2018 that it came out, so I'd be surprised right. if it's not available to watch yeah. somewhere. Um, but yeah, feel free to uh, let us know what you think if you watch yeah. it. Absolutely. Heading back in time now, in two, in two ways, really. We're heading back to 86 for our nostalgia oh. pick film, Stand By Me, yeah. Rob Reiner, which is in itself a throwback. Yeah. Because it's one of these uh, films that then looks back in the past. So, past, yeah. had you seen this before, Brian? I saw it when it first came out, but I can honestly tell you I've not seen it since then. This keeps this... happening. I keep doing this to you. I, keep I know you keep doing this. You saw when it came out, and that's it. Yeah, mm. I know. I've not, I don't know why, because it's a wonderful film. It's terrific, it's isn't it? I lovely film. Weirdly enough, this actually was one that I hadn't seen that many times. I think I've seen it twice when I was a kid. And it was sort of film that my brother would put on uh, because yeah. he's a bit older than me and he would sort of be more into these sort of films. But yeah. it had that quintessential summer holiday vibe of, yeah. you know, the kids out messing around, you know, being in the woods. Yeah, yeah. But with Stand By Me, unlike a lot of other sort of films that are that, that, like kind of coming of age thing, this is actually dealing with some very heavy themes at the same mm. time, but doing it in a way that you wouldn't really notice them if you were watching this as a kid. Like you no. wouldn't necessarily pick it up. Uh, but if you haven't seen it, um, it was on Netflix, wasn't it? Did we watch it on Netflix? Um, or was yeah. it? Um, yeah. No. Netflix, Netflix. Um, it's essentially about these four boys and there is there's been a, a boy who's gone missing in the area and these four lads friends um, overhear that someone has found the body. They decide to lie to their parents uh, about staying over each other's houses so that they can make the very long trek to mm. where this body potentially is uh, because they must see it. And it's set in the, what were we saying, 50s, 60s? Late, late 50s. 50s. Late, late, late 50s. 50s. And yeah. the music is very brilliantly chosen Brilliant. for I love the, it. I love the, the music. music's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and essentially is this sort of 
road trip, but without the the cars. They they're following the train tracks to this, yeah. but they get into all sorts of trouble on the way. Meanwhile, um, a very young Kiefer Sutherland and his yeah. gang of ne'er do wells are yeah. um, terrorizing the local neighborhood and potentially going to come across these boys as well. Mm. Um, it's that sort of film that works completely because it gets the tone all right and it captures, I think, a real enduring theme about what it's like being a child you know, when you're young and you just don't really think about the consequences of what you're doing no, because going right. to see a dead body overnight is actually yeah. kind of like a good idea. You know, that's well, <laughs> when you're a kid, you have no fear necessarily because you're discovering yeah. things for the first time, aren't you? So you don't feel that sense of fear at all. So, yeah, I, I feel a cliche coming on, Chris. Yeah. Will you indulge me? They don't make films like this anymore. <laughs> they don't. It's it's so gentle. It's so gentle and reflective. They were the first things I wrote down when I was watching it. It feels almost pedestrian and so much better for it. We've become used to a completely different pace of film these days. Hmm. Here, the story is allowed to breathe, but it doesn't feel slow. And that's a tribute to the director and the cast. I mean, I love Rob Rayner as a director. Uh, but... These, these are the types of films you just don't see anymore. Not really. And look at the cast you've got as well. You know, Kiefer Sutherland, you've got John Cusack as well. You've got a, a cameo from um, Richard Dreyfuss, who's telling the story as an adult, and it's flashing back in time. The music's brilliant. What I, what I was curious about, though, was how the, the four kids, how their careers were so different to each other, weren't they, really? I mean, you would have the feeling that River Phoenix was always going to be the biggest star out of the four, but tragically had the shortest career of the four of them, really. Yeah, obviously it was a sanity side. Will Wheaton, he's been pretty famous uh, since. Yeah, more more in TV, though, isn't he, I think, Will Yeah, yeah. Um, I I know him mainly from the Big Bang Theory, but I know he's been in lots of other things. Um, Um, Or or like more like, I think he's like the writer of a lot of things, isn't he? Yeah, Corey Feldman. Yeah. And uh, Jerry O'Connor played played Vern, I think. Yeah. So, you know, it it seems in this film more the supporting actors became bigger. I mean, River Phoenix was 23 when he died. It's just, it's crazy, isn't it? What a waste of life and a waste of talent. You, and you I think, kind you know, of think that. like you say, you've got like uh, this, the talent with the boys, then you've got like Kiefer Sutherland and also John Cusack is yeah. like Denny. His, the, so the main character, well, I say main character, but his brother has died yeah. previously mm-hmm. and that's really affected his relationship with his parents, especially yeah. his dad. And that's a really powerful subplot. But again, it doesn't feel like it's giving you like a smack around the face the whole time. No. It very much is like giving you an understanding of this boy's childhood. And yeah. also the film as a whole, I think, is about this journey for... Uh, so it's Gordy, isn't it? Is it Gordy? Oh, the, Gordy, yeah. The main character. That he is <clears throat> getting... He's obsessed with finding this body mm. more so than the others. I think they're sort yeah. of coming along for the for the ride. But Gordy's very obsessed. I think it's to do with obviously the grieving for his brother and mm. where he finds himself now as this like lone child with, uh, you know, especially a, a father who doesn't seem to like him. They even like he goes into a store at one point and the store owner like knew his brother because his brother was quite yeah. good at baseball or something. And yeah, I think there is that depth to the film. So watching yeah. it as an adult, there's lots and lots about the film, which is really impressive. But yeah. 
actually it's the sort of thing you could watch again we're going to get into cliches but it appeals to all ages really because it's about childhood it's about you know all these things and there's some things in there i think that probably are not that that appropriate as a 15 but i actually think that it's it's got a lot of universal themes to it and it's Mm. yeah it's really really good and it helps us turn the song stand by me into a number one hit in the uk by, by benny king and that to me is the icing on the cake you know that it features some, a great soundtrack anyway, but it, it turns Stand By Me in, into a, a number one hit. And that's that's really seals it. It's just a, a great film. And it's it's the type of filmmaking that I think we really miss today. Really. It, it's it's great. Love it. Another good pick, Chris. Well, I do, well. I do try. I do try. Well, yeah. actually, I have my brother to thank. He's the one who uh, picked well, all these films. Uh, bless well, him. There you go. Um, there was one bit, in, well, there's a couple of bits in the film which do make me laugh, though, because the whole thing is them following this train track. And mm. <laughs> there's one bit where one of the characters plays chicken with the yeah. with the train. And the train does have a very long time to see this boy, but at no point does he try even try to apply the brakes. You don't no. hear any screeching of the, <laughs> of the thing. They, they seem to be going very slow, those trains, though, didn't they? Yeah. That's um, almost like walking pace, really. But then there was another bit where they then cross this bridge and they actually can't go back. They're actually stuck. They have to yeah. either <clears throat> go forward or jump off. But yeah. again the train driver just doesn't put the brakes on. And I think it's indicative of a time when actually in the 50s, the train driver would have been well within his rights to just run them over. And I, I think he'd yeah. just gone, what happened today, Gary? Yeah, I killed, <laughs> I killed four kids, but it's fine. I <laughs> I, it's, it's, like, it's, a, it's a different uh, perspective on life. All films, whenever they're, whenever a film's made, you know, it, it does reflect the era that, that it was made in. All right, this was made in 86, but it, it's, it's trying to portray an earlier time and it somehow it does seem like there was a different attitude to life back then that's what's so fascinating about comparing different eras and we can do that very easily with films can't we but how well does it capture a particular era and this film i suspect does it very well does it really well i'd say what i did like was the um when they're sitting around the campfire and they're having these conversations that kids have you know the conversation about Pluto, you know what is Pluto supposed to be? <laughs> you, you know, Mickey, Mickey's a mouse. You know, uh, um, um, it, it was the other character they were talking about. Well, you, you know the scene I'm talking about. Yeah, like Donald's a duck or something. Donald's like that. a yeah. duck. You know, yeah. but what's good? You know, what what is Pluto? What is Pluto supposed to be? And it's the sort of thing you do. You do question when you're a kid. You think, what is that thing supposed to be? You know, and um, so it evokes your own childhood you know i'm not saying that we all went to went off to find a dead body necessarily when we were kids but it's that's just that spirit of adventure that sense of innocence when you're not grown up enough to to appreciate the gravity of life you don't have the maturity you don't have any of the uh, the um emotional or the financial problems that you have when you're an adult you know that's what it's what it's evoking and it is absolutely brilliant so do yes. check it out on netflix or wherever you get it your films because yeah. i think it's also available on amazon yeah. but you it, it, yes netflix is is the one though yeah. convenient 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 and easy mm. um mm. but that is the lot for this epic uk film club episode because we've gone through a lot um we have, yeah. lots of films there lots of choice and lots of things mm. for people to check out and um yeah 
thank you to everyone who's been listening this far. But most importantly, to our one Guatemalan listener and our yes. 11 Chilean listeners. And our 11 Chileans, yeah. Don't forget the 11 Chileans. Those, those people mean more to us than, <laughs> than the world. So thank you to, to everyone out there that is listening. Um, do share your thoughts with us on our socials uh, at UK Film Review. It's always nice to hear people are listening and, and tuning in. Um, and also, if you would do us an absolute lovely favour and review the podcast, particularly on Spotify, it means mm. a lot to us and it helps us get Absolutely. out to more. Because who knows, if we got out to more people, we might have two Guatemalan listeners. That would be <clears throat> really something. Um, we might get somebody from Costa Rica or, we may do. or Honduras or somewhere. We do. Or Falklands, <laughs> you know. Falklands. We may yeah. already have these people. Have well, yeah, I was going to say, maybe we already have. Do you know, we have seven Vietnamese listeners, so we're doing that fabulously. So cool. that, that is so cool. We're doing fabulously. Um, so cool. And thank you to everyone, because it's not just the UK. We are global. We are global. Um, uh, we've proved it, haven't we, now? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you to the filmmakers who specifically sent their films in for us to review. Um, please, everyone, do go check out those filmmakers and their films. Follow them on their socials, because it's really great to just see what they're up to and when these films come out, and you can watch them and see whether or not you agree with me and Brian or the critics on the website, if they reviewed them too. Um, but again, yeah, thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, this has been the UK film review podcast with me and Brian. Bye for now. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.